This episode is brought to you by Depressed Cheese. Is your cheese not feeling its freshest and is down and out about itself? Does it always strive to try to be some amazing pizza cheese but just can't make it? Now offering Depressed Cheese. The cheese that never feels down about itself and is always in a good mood. All right. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, John Saxton. And uh, I think this is my first uh, repeat customer. So uh, guest today is Zach Newman. Zach, welcome back. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I know the first time you came on, uh, we had, uh, uh, who are you with? Dougie, Dougie Oliveira, and, and Alex. Zach, Alex Landeros. That's yes. right. Okay. So you came back, and I thought we had a lot of fun last time. So I was like, hey, let's uh, do another one of these. We had a, we had a good time before, so... Why can't we have another good time? Yeah. Uh, I know one of the things you're here, and obviously just as a bummer, I don't, I don't know if this happened today or yesterday, you just broke your collarbone? I mean, what, uh, what is going I on right now? What do you got? I separated my shoulder. Separated your shoulder. I guess that's what they tell me. I don't. This is my first real shoulder injury. How does it? How Knock on wood, whatever. There, you're not going to find any wood. <laughs> you're, everything's covered in skate light right now. Yeah. Sorry. It's a wood manufacturer. It's a wood manufacturer. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. It's cabinetry. So you were coming back out for the last couple of weeks of camp here at uh, Woodward Camp yeah. on their 50th anniversary, which is a huge milestone, to, to say the least. Uh, I mean, obviously, the whole um, COVID uh, scenario kind of got the best of a lot of us and kind of shut down a lot of the celebrations uh, this year, but... Uh, either way, I get to see you, so that's exciting. Yeah, it's not... I will say, at least I was here in January, so I could say that I was here in 2020, but I figured I needed to get out the, out here for the summer and learn a few things, hang out with people, the vibe. You know, you can't compare Woodward to anything. And actually, I was just talking um, with a few people in the office earlier that this is the one of the weirdest summers but it's almost been a cool experience because it's such a sm it's a smaller family almost every single person here has interacted with one another both gymnastics and action sports so it's it's more of a family it's uh it's definitely been a strange summer so far because of the whole social distancing thing but it does seem like it's <laughs> it's kind of almost strange because it has separated people because of the social distancing thing but it's brought people together because there's less of us and we're going through such a strange time right now that we almost feel that anyone going through this strange time we might as well get through it together band and together band together so it's it's kind of been surreal and as far as uh um what it's done i i don't think anyone could have expected anything from this no one expected it to get as serious as it did and not as many people expected it to uh i, I don't know drive people as crazy as it has and anyone out there um forget that it's a pandemic and just drive like you used to <laughs> there you go yeah you're in your bo you're socially distanced drive normal yeah <laughs> get off my tail <laughs> or go faster, whichever needs to Socially happen. distance your car from my bumper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, Zach, uh, outside of uh, hurting your shoulder recently, how have you been? I know uh, you, you've kind of been predominantly a, uh, a show writer as of late and doing a lot of shows. This has kind of stopped you in your tracks, uh, it, if I'm not mistaken. It definitely stopped me in my tracks. I was lucky enough to get one tour in with ASA uh, beginning of the year, and I flew to Miami to start another show gig. So we set up the box jump and the vert ramp. You were going One with night. Morgan, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you? Correct. Oh, I remember you telling me you were going down, and then you... Morgan, who was my instructor here at Woodward. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we were supposed to, to set up, and we had three weeks at a fair in Miami. And um, I guess the, the first uh, sign, inclination that it wasn't going to happen was that a lot of the elderly employees of the fair quit. They didn't show up. And unfortunately for us, we all bought food, so we had weeks' worth of food that we were out and all the time getting there and, and whatnot, but at least we weren't one of the food vendors that had three weeks' worth of food. Whoa. So there, there's, there's worse things. There are worse things. Just imagine being stuck with three weeks' worth of uh, funnel cakes and having to eat all that yourself. <laughs> I can see it in your brain trying to figure out how to... Do, how to take care of that oh i mean i personally have three weeks worth of funnel <laughs> cakes in my house i'm just trying to imagine a normal person with three weeks of funnel cakes what they would do i i would be fine i mean that's my breakfast lunch and dinner for yeah. three weeks i guess I mean, so i'd be fine everyone went to lowe's and Home i'd be Depot loving it so you could set up in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> well either way but uh so you, it didn't stop you from riding because i know dougie was up here to do those shows as well and yeah he did I mean, he get stuck over here? Because he just stayed. So that was that was weird because, well, Dougie didn't have any money. He borrowed money to get a ticket to the States. He mistakenly came a week early. But if he hadn't, the borders would have been closed and he wouldn't have been in the country. But that being said, then he had no money. He was in Miami. I live in Kentucky. So we had to get to Kentucky and he stayed with me for two months. Um, but it was great. It was great walking downstairs and saying, hey, you want to go ride vert? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen to anyone. That's probably the first time that's been said in <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Those words have well, been uttered in the, 20 once years. Once the skate park was actually open. And then, and then I also realized, well, for a couple years, every time I came back from tours, I would be roguely cutting this mountain bike trail in a park that had been closed for a while up the street from my house. I'm like, well, I got another, mu I got more muscle in the basement. Might as well put Tuggy to use. We finished the trail. The city found out the park's open to the public now. Nice. And then we started on a bike park and Dougie left and that's still a project of mine. Are you talking about the uh, the dirt jumps and ramp that you built under the bridge? Yes. Yeah, I, so I remember you asked me about a transition or something like that. I don't know if you used it or what you ended up doing with, with we didn't. We didn't end up doing six. I had talked to you about doing a six-foot lip because okay. I know a lot of contest ramps are six-foot. But we ended up doing a five-foot lip, which is what a lot of the show ramps are. So right. not only do I get to train whenever I want because it's rain or shine under the overpass, but maybe some kid in my area can learn to do tricks well enough that he could make some money riding. That's beautiful. Imagine just being able to, to say, see a kid in the future that started out riding a ramp that you built 
and kind of have that thought. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I have actually had similar scenarios happen in my past where (laughs) somebody has gotten pretty well known and, and gotten, gotten pretty far in the, the BMX or skateboard game. And I remember them starting on a ramp that I built or created. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Not saying I have anything to do with it. Cause obviously they, yeah. they took the path themselves. I just created the ramp that they started riding on. And I was like, wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, n- I never would have had the chance or the time to make this happen. I've been talking about it for a while and, uh, I have, because it's state property, I ha- now have between two cities. I now have both cities on board. Uh, the police department of one helping me. Uh, I've gone through the channels with the state, and now that area is falling under one of the city's parks liability. We're renting bobcats. We're working on grants. We're we have a mountain bike trail cut through the woods next to it. Um. It's kind of crazy that it's come together this quickly and, and I mean, it's rideable right now. We have a water source. We have everything. And people know I'm not a, not known to be a dirt rider or a whatnot, but it's something for the community and our, our skate park, our indoor skate park closed. So it's perfect. Yeah, that is kind of perfect. How it kind of, uh, in the midst of all this, I mean, I don't want to say craziness, but I mean, it kind of it. yeah. it's 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 wild the wildness of what's going on right now it kind of uh allowed you to beeline towards the front of the line because you were still kind of just plugging along doing your thing yep. and in some in some cases it kind of really really put the brakes on for for some people in in the in the public sector i guess and you were somehow able to find your way straight to the front of the line so well i kind of just started <laughs> but it I guess that is kind of more of a BMX mentality or skate mentality is just to build something just start just keep going and just go till you get in trouble and be it's better to ask for forgiveness than yes. than be told not to and do it anyway. Well there there were a lot of uh because it's this weird area in between the exit ramp and the and the overpass there were they weren't really homeless but there was a huge like drug camp under there. So you can't we're I mean we're cleaning out needles it's it's bad under there and that's not something you want around and near I mean it's right next to the 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 county library across the street from the high school it's not I mean you don't want it anywhere but you definitely don't want it there right and we've kept those people out for the most part um we're trying to clean it up but we need dumpsters we have dumpsters full of trash back there. It's terrible. I'm sure. And I don't know. It's it's nice. Well, I feel a responsibility to, I don't know how to say this, to do something with my level I have achieved as an athlete that I can go to the the Newport police or the city or the state. And I don't just say I'm a bike rider. I'm an X games medalist, not, not just an X games athlete, but a medalist. And that turns heads that gets people to listen to me. And I feel like I have the obligation to use that to my advantage for everyone else. And 
everyone else seems to be jumping on board. And so I've, my plan is to do this in another city when this one's good and just kind of just keep, keep going. going. And it's all volunteer. I mean, I'm not working and I'm, my buddy and I are renting bobcats and spending 10 hours with a shovel and building wooden lips, doing everything we can. And it's, I, I go down there and there's not one inch of dirt that's not touched by a tire. And it's giving the local kids something to do and they don't have anything to do. Is Are you, uh, are you uh, creating the skate park for a whole, a whole realm of kids? Like, is there anywhere else for them to ride outside of what you guys are creating? There is a small, it's not very well built DIY skate park near there. But it's um, but it's a, a DIY park. It's not like an official park or anything correct. like it's that. A, it, it is also under the overpass. It's maybe a half mile to a mile away. But there's a whole lot of uh, segregation and hate there. Between skateboarders and BMXers? Between, or, well, between anyone that's there and anyone that wants to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> but, if but you're, yes, if but you're yes, not part correct. of the club, then you're not allowed to be there. It's very... I've I've tried to go through every channel i've helped out with fundraisers and i still get skateboards thrown in my head really no matter what i've done donated it's threatened by local business own it's it's weird and and i have connections with the city so i just i'm gonna do my own thing and it's gonna be great and it will be good for everyone from the age of three to the age of 93. Because we've, we, I didn't just build something I wanted. I know I have to have a small line. I have to have a mountain bike trail. I want something for like kids on striders. You have to think of everybody. Everyone. You can't just think of yourself. I'm being, I'm trying to be as inclusive as possible. And, that's taken time. It's taken wear on my back and my body. But that's how you get things done. And that's how you have staying power and lasting power with the project. Very cool. Are there a lot of kids that are using the stuff? We had a, we've had a couple sessions where I've really been trying to pull people. And I'm trying to connect a lot of the scenes. Because people stay in their little local skate park and sometimes don't leave. Even if they're 20 minutes from another skate park. But we were having sessions that were, I don't know, over a, over a few hour period, there are 20 to 30 people showing up during the pandemic. So it's it's been good. That's and awesome. That guys and girls, all ages. Um, it's been parents hanging out and like even the simple fact of I'm like, we need a picnic table in case someone's significant other wants to come hang out. Right. And so now you got to think of them too. Yeah, I found a picnic table in the trash that needed some love, and there got, it got love, and now <laughs> it's at the park. <laughs> exactly. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. So there you are. You're you're starting your own scene, building building your own scene. So how far is this from your house then? Because I thought that you lived in you live in Kentucky, but where in Kentucky are you at? Like I'm where in, is this? I'm technically I live in a city called Bellevue. It's one of the river cities on across the river from Cincinnati. So I'm maybe two miles from the Cincinnati Reds stadium. Oh, okay. All right. And so I'm, I'm really close. This is about a mile from my house, so it's maybe a mile from the Reds stadium. Very cool. And it's 
four right turns off the interstate. Four right turns. So you go in a circle. And you're there. And you're there. Beautiful. So just drive on the interstate, go in a circle, make a circle somewhere, and you're there. And then you can stunt. (laughs) It's like clicking your heel three times. And then, I wish I were home. <laughs> but I well, need, this is fun. I mean, I'm glad because I've I've seen you posting a lot of pictures and stuff about it. So I, I'm glad I got to kind of find out a little bit more of the the background of how you got it going and all that kind of stuff, which is which is fun. It's yeah, just, it's the, fun hearing yeah. hearing like how you're getting started and getting going, even though it kind of started out rogue and it just kind of blossomed into this fully supported uh, by the city. Uh, more, I mean, maybe not a skate park, but like a jump park, we'll yeah. say. Yeah, bike park, because we'll have park. a cross-country loop under there that I hope to have at least a half-mile trail that you can ride, rain or, sh- or snow or whatever. That's pretty awesome. And, and again, we do have a water source. Um, Trash water? We do have... The water, com- <laughs> the water is runoff from the air conditioner from the library, so it's crystal clear. Really? It's... Perfect. Could you drink it? Some of the local young kids I've seen drink it. <laughs> and they, they come back with an extra eye or anything? They seem all right. They seem all right? Well, yeah. that's good enough for me. Well, that's exciting. So uh, so you're kind of getting through this time. I mean, I know obviously with the, the shoulder injury, you just kind of accumulated uh, <laughs> while here. Yeah. Uh, I guess, when when did they say you'll be able to be, get back at it and start riding again? Is this like a long thing? Is this just kind of a feel it out? Or are you going to go to the doctor? Is this kind of... How serious are we talking? I'm thinking maybe a month. A month. From okay. what from what I've learned with this, it will heal. I just need to keep my range of motion and not aggravate it again. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I can get back to work and I can get back to riding. And are you still working at the bike shop? I haven't been as of lately. I was kind of working it too. Oh, okay, because um, you were doing shows in between. So basically, that was your your when you're not doing shows. When you're I'm not the bike doing shop. shows, I'm always trying to. And my my new girlfriend lives in Louisville, which is an hour and a half away. So I was working at a shop there a little bit, working at a shop by my house a little bit. But since bike shops were deemed essential because of transportation early on, uh, the population learned that and everyone wanted to get a bike because there was nothing else to do right and then with stuff coming in the country and stuff factories shutting down all sorts of weird stuff bike shops don't have bikes companies don't have bikes now distribution companies are running out of parts like running out of tubes running out of derailers to even work on repairing bikes so there's not a whole lot of work coming to the bike shop right now. Yeah, I, I could imagine. It's uh it's a hard time, which which brings me to the reason I actually have you here. It's not just to do this podcast. I need you to change some brake pads for me if you could. Uh, right now. But they might be new. I have I have them in my bag. You can change them. So they're used. Uh they were they were used, but I don't know, they might not have been used very long. I found them in the trash. John doesn't put new parts on his bike. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. <laughs> All right. If uh, you want to get rid of a bike aside. part, give it to John. And when, when I lived down the street from John, if he didn't want it, he'd give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would usually take it. <laughs> and now it's coming full circle. Did we talk about that in the last podcast when I've- I had moved here? I think so, yeah, because Dougie happened to be here as well, because when you were moving in, you yeah. happened to rope Dougie into That's moving true. in. So, and you. 
and me. Well, I just happened to be standing in the road. This is true. Waiting for you, even though I didn't know you were coming. I just I was standing in the middle of the road waiting for you to to appear on my street. And lo like and a, behold, there you were. It's like a trust fall. You well, I knew there. sooner or later that evening there would either be pizza or donuts involved. So I figured <laughs> it was a good chance. If I stand on the road long enough, I'd get pizza and or donuts. And I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure. It's a win. <laughs> it's a win. Folks, don't stand in the road. Unless you want pizza and, and or donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then stand in the road all of the time. <laughs> but now they're individually wrapped donuts. There you go. Fair enough. So now that you moved away and the entire BMX contingency has left the Center Hall, Pennsylvania region, uh, you were the last piece in the puzzle. Like once you left, it all just fell apart. So um, you might have to move back, honestly, uh, at some point to, to bring it back together. Well, I mean, I did move to my basement. I fin- I've also had time to work on my house and I moved into my basement amongst all of my, what some would say, crap. My accumulation of bicycles. So your accumulation deemed necessary to take over the bedroom, and you got demoted to the basement? No, I got one roommate thus far, and the other, hopefully a new roommate coming in soon. Um, But then my mortgage is paid for, and I can... Live out of the van wherever, whenever. That's a nice van you have. You are literally living in a van down by the lake. Well, it's technically... I don't know if that would be considered a river because there is a stream that goes into and comes out of it. This is true. So I guess it would kind of be a river, but it's just you live near the standing... A reservoir. (laughs) (laughs) In a van down by the reservoir. A water water rendezvous. It doesn't roll off the tongue as much as river, but we'll we'll go with it either way. So uh, one thing I did want to talk to you about a little bit more is... uh, I know you were doing it a lot heavier when you were living here in Center Hall. I don't know if you're still doing it. You were a big eBay uh, enthusiast, and that was because of your wealth of knowledge with old-school BMX stuff and bike parts. It wasn't necessarily – and I know you were doing all kinds of stuff, but one of the things that I always – when we talked last time, one of the things I always loved was just that little bit of old-school bike stuff. And I can't just say BMX because you do do it all. You just know it all. How did you kind of – start with that wealth of knowledge i know a lot a lot of it came from your dad but like was it just because of your love of bikes you just loved a little bit of all bikes i think it was more it started with the love of history which was from my parents like all history like human human history just knowledge of where we came from uh, yeah like uh i don't know art former art um clothing, a little bit of everything, and obviously loving bicycles, I went down a wormhole. It was a natural... 20-some years ago. Degression. Yeah. And learning here, learning there, and and I feel like at the level that I'm at, or, or being younger and wanting to learn tricks, I'm like, well... 90% of the kids I'm going to compete with are going to try this one trick that everyone does that's newer. Why don't I learn an old trick and learn about the sport and do something old that those kids don't even know about? And my trick stands out a little bit more, whether it's harder or not. And I've always looked into that. But, yeah, the the history thing actually is what... And antiquing is what allowed me to come to Woodward. Really? Oh, because selling stuff. My, getting... my parents weren't 
wealthy. Um, I mean, they worked and they worked hard, but side money from antiquing that my dad, my parents would do led to trips to the skate park, led to coming to Woodward. And I am very thankful for that. And that's actually what you were saying when I lived here, buying and selling some stuff allowed me to travel to contests. So it's the not this knowledge that's kind of given me a back burner business almost or outlet to make a little bit of money when I need it. Um, I am still doing it some, but it definitely takes up a lot of room, a lot of time. And I just, I did sell a bike recently so that I could have money to build the lip for under the bridge. Um, and I'd been selling a couple things to work on my van actually, so that I could come here. (laughs) Nice. So it's, it's still there and I'm not getting rid of bikes by any means, all of them, but I mean, there's still three in at least three in my living room right now. And I don't know, 20 in the basement. What's your favorite from your collection? That's a good question. I know. That's why I asked it. Probably that tandem we talked about in the, the last podcast. The BMX tandem? Yeah, that's one of, that's probably my rarest bike. But I did just finish building up. I have a complete 50s Schwinn Black Phantom, which if anyone thinks of a balloon tire 50s cruiser bicycle, the Black Phantom is what they think of. The, okay. Just like the... Um, New Belgium Brewery, that fat tire ale beer, that is a balloon tire style bicycle with a Springer fork and that kind of, I don't know, that's what I think of, that's what most people think of. So having that nostalgic bike is really cool, even if I don't ride it all the time. Just having it and knowing it and being able to, knowing that you own it and it's... In your basement or in your living room or wherever. Don't have something if it doesn't bring you joy. Right. It is a piece of artwork, and it might not be hanging on my wall, but it's in the living room. Well, I don't have another bike rack. There's other two other bikes hanging on the wall in there. Oh, you actually do have them on the wall, though? Yes. Oh, very cool. Well, the one, I have a Schwinn uh, Stingray 3-Speed Deluxe, which that was the first bike... I guess that was the bike that started it. Uh, my dad bought it. He didn't know any, really a whole lot about bikes, but he thought it would be a cool project for him and I, and I was probably seven or eight when we redid that bike. And I've still got it. It's in immaculate shape, and I'll probably always have it. And nice. Is that one on the wall too? That one's on the wall. That one's on yes. the wall. What color is it? That one's red. Red. That it's not the apple crate, is it? No, no, the the Stingray had... The oh, crate, it's a Stingray. The crate bikes all had the 16-inch front wheel with the 20-inch rear. Yep. And the Springer fork. As far as muscle bikes go, the Stingray had two 20-inch wheels, but the Deluxe was the only Stingray that had the stick shift. Oh, really? So it had a three-speed stick shift. See, this is the kind of stuff I love. These these little tidbits and things that you that you know. What else you got? <laughs> what, what else is racked else? up in there? Um, I want to go down this wormhole. That's that even, is Zach Newman's brain. I feel like I have to be triggered, and then I go off. Like, I just being here at camp, somebody will 
I keep getting kids that come up to me and say, what's a good mid-school trick for me to learn? <laughs> <laughs> or what's an old-school trick? Or What is a good old-school trick? Have you done a Vanderroll? Have you ever done I a Vanderroll? No. With a full face, I'm sure they're hard with that big, bulky well, helmet. I'm like... My spine's like a stegosaurus, and I'll feel every <laughs> little bit of it rolling. I've tried. I've tried a couple. I hurt my shoulder pretty good doing it one time. Yeah. Now I got one. Well, actually, my left shoulder was really hurting, and then I destroyed my right here. So. Oh, just evened you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I got a shot of photo for camp beforehand. Well, thank goodness for that. What yeah. was the photo you did? Downside hand plant on the vert wall in the snake run. Oh, really? Oh, nice one. Well, it's, it's pretty, pretty day. Yeah, I, all right, fine, fair <laughs> enough. You don't have to explain it. It's a nice trick either way. What does Bobby Boucher say? Oh, it's a beautiful view. <laughs> and there is the first of many to come <laughs> <laughs> dumb movie quotes. <laughs> but I have, uh, as far as um, trick-wise, I mean, What's your go-to to tell people? I've been getting a lot of kids doing switch handers. Oh, yeah? Which is, uh, that's a mid-school trick in my eyes. Yeah. Um, I keep yell. every kid that rides street has four pegs, and I keep trying to get some kid to do a rocket air. They won't do it. Silly kids. But uh, one kid did a... Kid do a rocket queen air? No. Even even more, No. <laughs> I did get a kid to do a Neil Armstrong. Which one's Neil Armstrong? Two feet on the front pegs. Oh, I thought that's what the Rocket Queen was. Oh, I don't know. I've never heard that. Oh. This is like Morgan and I have a disagreement on what a disco is. What's your version? I think it's a disco, a one-foot, one-hander with opposing sides. Opposing sides. Yeah, Ronnie used to call it the division sign. I think... I don't know if Morgan called it that or he called it something else weird. I don't know. Texas. Hey, it's freestyle, man. When we start going down this wormhole of calling (laughs) people out the wrong tricks and getting mad at each other. It's okay. My friend loves doing that trick, and every time he posts a picture of it, he tags Morgan in it and makes sure it's his (laughs) disco. I just talked to Morgan the other day. He was... uh, he would love to hear that. He would. I'm sure he loves to hear all those. He probably sees it. He, of course, he he's sees fuming. it. He's he's There's loving it. Smoke coming from his <laughs> gun, car, cargo pockets. His gun. <laughs> he loves it. Uh, we're we're talking. Let's see. We're let's go back to the other wormhole of old bikes. Okay. Um. I don't know. At one point, I traded you. I had traded you some bike parts. That's right. For your brother-in-law's childhood bicycle. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of which one that was. Was that the VFR, the dyno? It was a GT. It GT. Was a Mach 1. That's right. It, yeah. That's right. It's a Mach 1. And I wasn't far off. Yeah. I wasn't far off. And it had first-gen DK hubs. That's what I was stoked uh, about. You know what I would be stoked about is original GT Mohawk hubs. Coming across a pair of those. I actually talked to Kaczynski... Because when he first got on GT, I was like, oh, you should have GT remake those GT <laughs> Mohawk Cubs. He's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I was with, like, all right. No, with the, guess with not. the slotted 14 axle. <laughs> right. Look that up, kids. Make a slotted 3.8 axle and have a smaller, <laughs> just less weight. <laughs> I've always, 
actually working on on customers' bikes, I feel like the knowledge of former BMX um, ingenuity mm-hmm. comes into play. Oh, of so course, so much. Of course, and because it's so wacky, I mean, it's more wacky than road and mountain, in my opinion, because you're dealing with detanglers, <laughs> right, and uh, foot standers. <laughs> <laughs> the detangler is interesting i actually just saw nikolai Rogakin was out here uh last week i don't know if you crossed paths with him or if yeah. he was gone by the time you uh, he, he was left. gone but... okay um well he had this it was a hydraulic gyro so it was like the new mountain bike gyro obviously a lot of mountain bikes there's a lot of door slamming i saw you look off there's a lot of do- that's one thing i love about doing podcasts here at the studios here at woodward is instead of getting background noise being like cars or anything like this you get like skateboards and and kids yelling and screaming and dancing outside the, the door and well, door slamming and it's a door slamming but it sounds like an unpulled kickflip on a deck an unpulled kickflip on a deck hmm all right. I think it's an unpulled kickflip. It's a half. It's an unpulled half kickflip on a door. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kickflip rewind kick with flip a door. Re- with a door instead of a skate. It's like a boomerang <laughs> kickflip. <laughs> well, I, I guess one of the things that um, I know, I know you had this wealth of knowledge. I mean, how far back? What's the oldest bike that you've ever worked on? And that's and the reason I ask that is because. Obviously, just like a lot of a lot of America, a lot of the world, we're, I'm a fan of like that American Picker show. And when he finds yes. these old bikes in old rusty garage or old the garage isn't rusty or the barn isn't rusty, but the bike is rusty. Uh, but they find these old rusty bikes in old barns that have just been sitting there for 50, 75, 100 years, whatever it is. And I'm just like, I wouldn't even know what to <laughs> what to, what I'd be looking at. But you probably would. I mean, do you how? A How far of, back do you go, do you know your history all the way back to where bikes started and stuff like that? I know quite a bit. Um, the oldest bike I own is I don't know exactly the date because I don't have a badge, but I think I know it was a it was built by Mead, uh, which was out of PA, um, or not PA. Um, well, some of them were made in PA, some were made in Chicago, but that bike's probably 1910, 1915, and it's got wooden rims. I have the original wheels, but at one point I had a set of wheels from the 20s that I had on there, and I was riding them. Really? Um, they were wooden rims? They were, the ones from the 20s were ironclad, so they were wood wrapped in steel. Oh, okay. And that bike had sat in a basement for a very long time in downtown Cincinnati, the one I got the wheels from. So the tires were actually still good. Hmm. They were they were tubular tires, so I just filled them with the uh, mountain bikers would know the stands tubeless sealant. Yeah. I just put it in the valve, which the valve and replaced the valve. The valve from the nineteen twenties wheels is the exact same thing as in your current bicycle tube. Really? And I rode that bike. Wow. And that's that's what I... I mean, we just mentioned the detangler. I think the detangler, the gyro, is the single most innovative um, bicycle 
I guess, part component or component to come out since the bicycle. Since you think the so? safety bicycle. And when I say safety bicycle, anyone that thinks of a really old bike thinks of the penny farthing, the high wheeler, the one huge, large front wheel and tiny rear. The safety bike is a bike with two same size tires. So it, you're less likely to go over the bars. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but I think, I mean, you go to Walmart, you go to any of our BMX bikes, look at them. They're a diamond frame with two same size wheels, pneumatic tires, and a chain drive. That's what they had in the 1880s. Right. Hasn't Other, come a long way. It has not come a long way. And in some new technology, most people don't know it, it has been done before. But I think the gyro is the most out-of-the-box component that has been added to. Because they even had frame standers in the 1880s. Right. Just like what you had on your GT Performer. I never had a Performer at a Dino Comp. But I, I did have a... Uh, I did have one bike, my, verse, my very first BMX bike. I don't know what it was. I, pr- I was probably, we'll say eight-ish, uh, give or take a couple of years. And my neighbor, who was getting older, he got his car and stuff and just gave me this, this BMX bike that he had. It had, it had the standards. It, had the, the, uh, it wasn't the pegs. It was the round, uh, I guess, frame standards in the back. Yeah. Uh, oh, if they're round, then it was probably a Schwinn Freeformer. But it was an add-on piece. It wasn't part of the frame. Oh, okay. So it was like these white, like, white plastic knurled pieces that hooked onto the frame. Um, But then it got stolen after a couple, I guess probably, I don't know if I even had it a year, but it was my favorite. It was so awesome. I was able to, I learned how to, like, not bunny hop, but lift my front wheel up and just smash my back wheel into the curb to get up on the curbs. It was my first, like, form of hopping onto the curb without needing the the excess point onto a curb. I was able to just smash into it. I can't imagine how many tires my dad had to change uh, when I started learning that. But once it got stolen, it, it broke my heart. But yeah, it was, so I had that. I don't know what kind of frame. I, looking back, I wish I knew what it was. Uh, and then I, at another point, I had a Mongoose Decade Pro frame that I turned, it was a frame bar fork that I turned into my trampoline bike when I was probably... 13 or so 14. Was, was your pro, was it the pink and chrome? It was green. It was like so it was uh, neon. Uh, like not a mint neon. green? Mint green. With yeah. chrome rear end. Yeah. Uh, it didn't have the. It didn't, didn't have, have a chrome. chrome. It was full full mint green. Full mint green. Okay. I don't know. But I never put parts on it. It was just my buddy worked at a bike shop, and the bike shop just had this, like, it was this tarp covering probably hundreds of old bikes in behind the shop and it was just like he didn't know what to do with these bikes and they were all free if you wanted them just go take one <laughs> whatever and i was just like i need a trampoline bike so he's like i'll just go through it and take one and I, I didn't know what i was looking at at the time because it was just like an old bmx bike i was like oh it's a mongoose whatever because at that point mongoose didn't have a cool name so it was like i mean for me anyway when I was would just, this have been uh this would probably have been 94 or okay. 5 yeah, we'll say we'll say roughly so that around there. Less than ten years old, probably. I mean, maybe. Yeah, roughly. That's probably a good assumption, I guess. But either way, it didn't hold any sort of like value to me. It was just like, hey, there's an old junky BMX bike. I'm gonna make a, 
trampoline bike out of it. But um, I'm kind of kind of getting off the topic because I did want <laughs> I don't know how this conversation of the detangler kind of made me think. And I have a question I've always been curious about. And you may be able to unlock the mystery for okay, me right now. I'll try. So, because you mentioned the penny farthing bike a long, t- uh, a little while ago. Yes. And uh, for those people that don't know, the penny farthing is the the big wheel front, and then a small wheel in the back that Correct. you ride. You ride up front, basically standing or sitting right above the front wheel. Uh, I, there's an old picture from when they first were invented because they were invented because they were supposed they're advertising as safe, a safe bike or a safe way to travel or, or whatever. And people were scared or hesitant or skeptical. And the guy that invented them, he rode them down the stairs at his um, town hall or whatever just to show people. You can even ride them downstairs. But in the picture, he was riding them down the stairs, but he was on the big wheel but the, f- the small wheel was in front of him. So that was a different style bike. That was, that was addressing the problem that the penny farthing wasn't safe. Oh. So if I'm not mistaken, um, that bike, it, it was basically a reverse penny farthing, but it did have the small wheel in the front. So it was less likely to, t- to flip over, to flip forward, but you're more likely to flip, flip backwards. Your back. <laughs> so really going downstairs on that, you're not going to flip back. Right. So that's probably the safest way to ride that bike. <laughs> but that didn't, that did not catch on. And that's when, okay. To, uh, how rare are those bikes where the small wheels in front? They're very rare. They've got to be. I, I don't, have I don't a, think I've ever seen a real picture or, or, video of them yeah i don't have a high wheel or penny farthing i would love to that's on my bucket list i want one even the 1970s replicas bring thousands of dollars i would oh yeah and they're you're, crazy you're looking at i mean you're looking at at least five grand for an 1880s penny farthing i did at one point do a show in uh I don't know, outside of Norfolk, Virginia, and shout out to Hun's Bicycle Recyclery because that gentleman was set up and he kind of was getting bikes to the the community. But to get interest in his booth, he brought his penny farthing, and that was the first time I got to actually ride one. And he let, I mean, that, that bike was worth, I think he had it, on his insurance for, I don't know, eight to 10 grand. Whoa. But, and it was one of the larger wheels. So the larger wheel was for a larger person. I believe his was a 52 inch wheel and I'm a tall guy, but he let me ride it and there's no bearings in the headset. It just metal on metal, but it, it was all pretty much original. Now, I was there doing shows. I didn't mention we were there at a tattoo festival. So he shakily got me started, and I just lose control and end up going left down one of the aisles. I kept my composure, but I'm drastically higher than everyone else <laughs> on top of this bicycle, and there's people getting permanent ink put in them. <laughs> next to me and I started to lose it and I just yelled someone get me 
That's the first thing that came just, to your mind. Just someone before, get me. <laughs> some just before I crashed into a table of someone getting a tattoo oh because God. we're in a huge convention center. <laughs> but because I'm a uh, a professional, I tried it again. Oh, but obviously, you have to make 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 right. Yeah, make right, brothers. Make right, brothers. <laughs> that was stupid, but that's hey, all right. The Wright brothers had a bicycle shop. That's right. That's how they started. Yeah, the end. The end. Um, <laughs> and thank you for listening, and everybody. No. Um, yeah, I was able to do it, but that was one of the scariest bike rides I've ever done. And jumping off that thing, you're dropping at four, least four or five feet, feet, fifty-two inches. It feels like. Yeah. There you, there you go. I've never gotten to ride one of the penny farthings, even though there is one at the bike bicycle shop in uh, here yes, in State College there's in town. One, theirs is one of the '70s reproductions. Right. Right, but it's still still pretty cool, and I'd love to be able to ride it. I just haven't ever had the chance yet. But I love the opportunities you get sometimes. That just the the paths you cross while doing shows, uh, BMX shows and stuff is is so fun. One time I got to ride like was we. I mean, you know how it is. You get to meet some of these other. We call them carnies, but in <laughs> reality, we're there doing the shows too, and working at the fair, working at the festival, working at the carnival, whatever. So we kind of are as well because we're traveling, doing this as well. We're just part of it. We're just on a different, different wavelength, I guess. But anyway, uh, like so, we're there before the actual doors open, where people, the public can come. And I walked by. They had one of those. Uh, they were calling it the drunk bike or whatever. You know where the hand, one the way. handlebars turn one way, but the wheels turn the up opposite way. Mm-hmm. Which I've always wanted one of those. I've always wanted just ha- own one. But anyway, I got to actually play on it a little bit. He let me play with it, and I got it to the point where I started getting it pretty good. I was pretty comfortable on it, which kind of messed me up on my real bike oh, when yeah. I was doing shows. But uh, it didn't. Luckily, it didn't take me too long to get back into the the spin of things but anyway so i got comfortable enough on this bike and their whole deal was five bucks and if you ride this bike from here to we'll say 10 15 20 feet away whatever whatever the lines they they had if you can ride it that far you can win this all this money or something like that so i went there later with a different person that was running the booth they didn't know that i had practiced <laughs> earlier i'll i I, I didn't steal any money. This just as a as a forward. Uh, so anyway, I I you paid. Earned. I no, I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't even. So I I gave him the five bucks and I pretended like, oh, what's this thing? And I just rode straight across, no problems. <laughs> and the guy's like, his jaw hit the floor. He's like, what? I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that. And I was like, nah, I was just, I was just messing with you. I was here earlier. We're doing the shows over there. He's like, oh, okay. You want your five bucks back? I was like, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) So so I didn't take any of his money, but he didn't get any of mine either. So it was just a fun, I just thought it would be funny to mess with him. Did did you you start doing like pretending that you had never done it and try to get some other people over there to to try it for him. I wasn't trying to make them more money, but yeah. I was I was trying to ham it up enough to where he thought I'd never even seen anything like this before, which was which was kind of fun. But in hindsight, the, I thought it would be funny just to take the bike and then just go straight into a wheelie the whole way across. <laughs> it does it. It's like, uh, I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Actually, I I had tried that once when I was young, 
And as soon as I stood up, he's like, no, you have to sit down. I'm like, uh, oh, well, I'm screwed. Yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> you can have it back. Okay, bye. <laughs> Me and... Uh, I even I, had a backer. It wasn't even my $5. <laughs> you're an investor for yeah. your gig? Oh, man, you're way ahead of the game. There was a, uh, a time when I was living in Greenville, uh, North Carolina. And um, do you, did you ever meet Shay Nyquist, Ryan's brother? I've never met him, no. Okay, so he was such a fun dude. And he's the one that taught me how to weld a little bit. So we got into weld. I was asking him to teach me to weld. And he's like, what do you, what do you want to weld just to mess around and play with? And I was like, let's just make some fun bikes. And, and we started making double tall bikes and this and that. We ended up making one bike that the handlebars were welded to the frame. So you couldn't, the handlebars were solid. Yeah. They, you couldn't move them. And we set it up so the seat was loose in the post. Uh, or actually, the post was loose in the frame, so it could it could pivot, and we made like some sort of bar that went to the fork, and that it was on a hinge system. So as you 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 steer by twisting your butt, so butt like cheek steer your butt cheek steer, just like you're sitting in a swivel chair. That's cool. Like you had to steer it like that, and it was the strangest feeling because it took us both so long to figure out how and that was the thing we wanted to build these weird bikes to figure out how to ride them and then once we figured out how to ride them we're like no one will ever be able to ride this bike so we were able to ride it to the bars and stuff like that and not even lock it up in the gate just like put it <laughs> just put it there because we knew it knew we knew it would like be there bike no one would ever i mean even if they tried to steal it they'd get three and a half feet, fall over, and then get up and walk away. Like, they wouldn't... There was no, nothing you could do. Even in that state of mind where you're, like, out of it or a little loop or drunk or buzzed or whatever, there's no way you'd be able to figure it out. It was so crazy. Um, but I, I always, that always stuck out, and I wish I knew what happened to that bike. I'm sure he just threw it away <laughs> at some point. But that, I, that makes me... Oh, that I was going to say, that makes me think of um, along the way... Uh, a few companies have made them in the, I don't know, 20s, 30s. That's the most prominent ones that you see, um, or 40s. But tandem bicycles that are called steer from the rear. Oh, man. So gen um, generally in his or historically, tandems are larger in the front cockpit so handlebars to the seat as uh larger than the rear and that's usually where the the men would be up front the, the men would steer and the women would sit in the back yeah whatever it's not uh not quite politically correct these days um you're 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 on an unpolit an unbiased yes, podcast yes. we're not going to hold any grudges right now um for the 30s for the 30s but they had steer from the rear tandems. You're in a judgment-free zone right oh, now. Oh, thank you. You're in a safe space. And these tandems, the front handlebars were stationary from the fork, which turned underneath the front cockpit. And there was a dummy head tube where the back handlebars were with a headset. And at the bottom where a fork would actually come out was a cog and there was a chain that ran from the cog to the crown of the fork on the front of the tandem so the rear person on the bike would steer. I may have to add a diagram of this picture with it's your so episode confusing. cover. I don't even understand what you're saying, but I'm going to have to go look it up because it's, now I'm so intrigued on how this thing worked. I don't understand because usually on a tandem, the, 
or if you like, let's say you have two people on a motorcycle, the person in the front, the person steering, is the one leading um, the lean or the body position on knowing where to go. Right. Well, if the person in the front has no clue what's going on behind them, it gets dicey. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought that about with uh, with big sailing ships, like pirate ships. They always steered from the back instead of the front. Yeah. I always thought that was strange. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe that bike was pirate-inspired. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. I don't, it didn't catch on. It didn't catch and on. There weren't, I don't know if there were as many divorces then, but I'm sure if it had <laughs> caught on. There would be a lot more people crashing in the walls <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> well, that's... I, I haven't had my opportunity to to look at these one of those or multiples of those as often but i don't know if my question to see that really see is is the person steering which is now in the rear is it still the large cockpit versus the small and this this is i feel like you can learn a lot from bicycles or learn a lot about the culture that the bicycles came from by just the bicycles themselves. Oh, absolutely. And well, the bicycles and, I mean, the apparatus that you're riding on or with or whatever, that's kind of what allows you to do some of the things that you're doing. Like um, like the, uh, the sport of BMX has changed once the bikes kind of started progressing with it and they were people weren't as scared to try some of the big stuff. Same thing with the ramps. I mean, obviously, I'm, that's my world, but uh, so I'll I'll talk about and preach about that a little bit if I can. But I mean, the 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 newer style ramps, like when Wessel started build going outside the box and building all these different style styles of ramps and skate parks. It kind of allowed people to open their minds to trying new tricks or or things that maybe weren't possible with the old back and forth kind of a little bit more boring type skate park. So it kind of allowed you more opportunities. So I mean. It's what you're what you're given is what you kind of use to create. Yeah, yeah. It it's because I'm such a nerd. I do I do look into geometry of bicycles, everything. But it's interesting talking to some of the campers because when I was young, most BMX bikes were fairly similar geometry. Nowadays, because there's there's uh, I guess so many different tools for different tricks. Uh, Geometry is all over the board, and kids know what they're riding. They know that they want this short back end for this trick. They want it's a little bit more of an actual science rather than a uh, let's give this a whirl. Right, right. <laughs> People are more meticulous with what they're getting into as opposed to just winging it anymore. Correct, but they all still look similar uh similarly i don't know i ride bikes i think that's a beautiful way to end it (laughs) (laughs) and there you have it there you have it that's uh yeah that was zach newman he's uh funny looking funny looking so i gotta ask you just because obviously we're getting to that point of the podcast are you changing your instagram handle from zach full face to zach broken shoulder Zach full face plant. (laughs) (laughs) Can you change it to that just for a little bit? (laughs) I was joking with someone outside on the way in here. And he said that I should give him a shout out. Um, 
I'm guessing Chris's burger is uh, done, and he enjoyed it. That's about that. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but thank you for that. Yeah. So, so this podcast goes out to Chris's burger. <laughs> no, every time I go ride street and I put an Instagram clip up because I'm not wearing my full face helmet, I always hashtag Zach skate, skate helmet, helmet yeah. or Zach pink helmet or <laughs> whatever. Whatever. It's not a whatever thing. This is serious. You guys pick one and go with it. Or I guess if I get pied at a carnival, it would be Zach Faceful. <laughs> Zach Pie Face. <laughs> well, Zach, thank you very much. That was fun. I'm glad we got to. Uh, I got to watch you nerd out a little bit. On <laughs> was that enough history? It was close. We might have to have, go round three again, but I, I might have to have you prepare. With? We can talk about Woodward history. I don't know everything. I did just post. Uh, I did just post uh, Steve Haas's. Uh, He's just the, the other day. I was able to move here. He was the reason that I got a job here. So I posted his podcast just uh, just the other day. The Haas boss. The Haas boss, which just goes to show everyone that's listening that these are as far from live as possible. This could go up <laughs> in a couple months. <laughs> you never know. So either way, Zach, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, getting weird with us. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for being my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for babysitting my dog back in the day. Hey, no problem. Well, <laughs> I think you babysat my dog. So it was fair. All right, I, I retract my, my thanks. Well, you didn't... Fully, you just came to the house and made sure he wasn't dead and fed. I did eat whatever brownies were left in the counter. <laughs> because your dog would have eaten him. He ate part of him at one point. <laughs> she ate part of him. She ate a mole off his nose. Thank you. That's, uh, that's costly to get removed. Well, you are welcome. I'll invoice you. Especially during a pandemic. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, either way, Zach, thank you very much once again. I appreciate it. And Zach, thank you guys very much for uh, uh, tuning in to another episode of the podcast. We appreciate you guys. Um, once again, I'm your host, John M. Saxton. If you need to reach out or get in touch with me for anything, uh, we are probably going to do a podcast before too long where I try to uh, get a little bit more information out of you uh, everyone listening just so I can see what you guys want to listen to, what you want to hear, all that good stuff. So, uh, before long, I'm probably going to do my first solo podcast, which could be, or could not be fun. I don't know. We'll so see how send that goes. John, please. Um, right now, send John your worst joke possible. Worst joke possible. That used to be my thing when I was here, uh, at Woodward as the uh, Red Bull guy. I was the BMX Red Bull guy, and kids would always ask me for Red Bull, so I got it got to the point where I didn't want to just give out Red Bull for nothing. Like It got to the point where I was like, if you want a Red Bull, you have to tell me a good joke. And it, did, it got to the point where I didn't care if it was good or bad or whatever, but as long as you tell me a new joke that you hadn't told me before. So if you, you can't tell me the same joke twice. So, I mean, granted, over time, I started hearing a lot of the same jokes over and over, but just different kids. So as long as you don't tell me the same joke, you get a Red Bull. I think I plagiarized the Pulp Fiction joke to you. You did? During that time frame. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, ketchup. Ketchup. Yeah. Was, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an oldie but a goodie. It's an oldie but a goodie. Well, thank you guys very much for uh, tuning in. We appreciate you. And uh, you keep listening. We'll keep cranking them out. We'll talk to you soon. Later. This episode is brought to you by Depressed Cheese. Is your cheese not feeling its freshest and is down and out about itself? Does it always strive to try to be some amazing pizza cheese but just can't make it? Now offering 
depressed cheese, the cheese that never feels down about itself and is always in a good mood.